people have been clamoring. People have been saying, where's the finale? Where's the finale? After lightning strikes, delays, I have culminated uh, a a phenomenal uh, cast of characters for the finale. I give you Jason Snell. Hello. Who just just recently finished the uh, episode 13, so he is all spun up. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. I say. My 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 all-purpose um, enemy agent, Guy English, is here. Hello, Bill. Mm-hmm. Primer. And, but it's, <laughs> but it's really primer. Um, it's really primer. And then... <laughs> look at the dictionary. Not, look it up. Hey, look, I, I told okay. him primer, and he, he got bent out of shape. And then I've got <laughs> one other... The people clamored and said, we want our faces melted. Give us Don Melton. I said, done. Done deal. I'll do it. And it's important to have Don Melton on because based around last episode, we've got a little bit of follow-up that we're going to get to with Don to see what his family thought of at least part of the series. Did they see the whole thing? Uh, Don here. Uh, and, uh, by the way, can I be as explicit as I was the the last time? Don. Okay. Just be natural. Gosh, darn it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So just for people who may not have listened. It's the Melton box. Yeah. Thank you. It's not explicit. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, it's farther up the chain. It contains Don Melton. Um, so, uh, for people who didn't watch the last episode on Daredevil, my, um, uh, my family, I married into a family, uh, they're Chinese. And uh, uh, my wife, for example, is uh, born in Hong Kong. And many of my in-laws are, and, uh, you know, it's it's all good. But as I was watching this uh, series myself, uh, the first time alone, I was watching it alone, uh, marathoning it, and I was a little disturbed by the... The sort of, uh, you know, let's make all the bad guys non-white, uh, and especially let's make the really grotesque bad guys uh, Asian. And I, I was wondering what the perception of uh, that would be to my family, because I pulled this stunt on them uh, before. You know, I forced them to watch Big Trouble in Little China and a, a few other films, which they wildly enjoyed. Um. And so I I tried to palm Daredevil off on my wife and uh, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. In fact, in last uh, episode that we did, which ran over time like every other podcast I'm on because I'm a loudmouth, they were actually upstairs in the house watching Daredevil uh, while I was doing the, uh, what was that, the 10 through 12 or 9 through 12? Yeah, it was nine. It was nine through twelve. Nine through twelve. Yeah, and so um, uh, I didn't get to hear about what they thought about it until uh, actually much later. Because by the time I got out of here, my in laws had left because we were in, you know, on the podcast for like three hours or something. So my my in laws had given up on me, and uh, so I didn't find out until actually recently what they thought. And it turns out my my wife didn't uh, finish it because she got so annoyed, uh, I think, at watching uh, the show 
uh, skipping around because my sister-in-law would like try to watch when she wasn't in the room and she was missing parts of it. And she may go back through and see stuff. My sister-in-law stopped watching it, uh, not because she was offended at the depiction of Asians, but she just thought the whole idea of a blind guy being a superhero just it didn't like pass the <laughs> believability thing for her. and so i think she stopped like after the second or third episode but my brother-in-law really liked it in fact he basically went home and marathoned the thing until seven o'clock in the morning oh so, yeah uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh now my my brother-in-law jake uh who's a big uh uh state farm agent uh, here uh, in California. Yes, Jake from State Farm. And believe it or not, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that commercial. They, he wears khakis? The, the, no, well, it's occasionally. <laughs> but that character that's in the commercial, they took the name from him because the producer is a friend of his and they were needed a name for the character. And she goes, oh, yeah, Jake. So, hey, sort of. I can't believe you, Glennie. <laughs> so, so anyway... Uh, so I talked to I talked to my brother-in-law. I said, and I I didn't want to ask him right straight away. What did you think of the whole racial component? So we talked about the whole series and whatever. And he was like, I thought it was great. Uh, he said, you know, I had to stab myself with a stick a couple of times to stay awake that long to watch it all. But uh, he he found it very very engaging. And then I talked to him like, uh, you know, what did you think about the portrayal of? Uh, uh, of Asian characters, particular, uh, particularly the Chinese characters. And he's, he was very blunt. He said, I found it way more realistic than most Hollywood movies. So I, I asked him about the, uh, you know, the uh, portrayal and stuff, and he, he thought it was fine. He, did, he was not offended by uh, Gao and the depiction of you know, the, uh, the heroin thing. He didn't think it was a bad thing that uh, an Asian, uh, Asians were depicted as the villains. He thought they were interesting characters. Uh, then I asked him about the, the use of language, because there's a lot of extended scenes uh, in Chinese. And, and uh, he said, yeah, it was very good Mandarin, too, because he speaks both Cantonese and uh, Mandarin and, um, and a third Chinese dialect, too. Uh, and I said, well, you know, how was uh, Vincent D'Onofrio doing because you know and i think it's an episode is 11 or 12 i think it's 11 yeah one of those where he's talking to madam madam yeah Yeah, in the park right long time and he's well they're on the roof right and he said perfectly fine mandarin to him so wow i said it was uh he said uh i said it was subtitled he says yeah but i you know and jake said no i didn't read the subtitles i mean he could understand it all uh so uh, he said it was fine. You know, he wasn't offended. He he found the characters interesting, and he found uh, the attention to detail for Asian culture uh, in what was written down and what was spoken, and you know, sort of how people behaved. It, it, uh, you know, they were kind of cartoon characters, but how they behaved, he thought it was uh, very good, and gave it a much higher uh, score than most Hollywood films who depict Asians. Well, it is funny books, but at the same time, look, I mean, if, I, you know, this is a small sampling, but I'm going to take that to the bank. Well, let's, uh, Madam Gao is, 
she is, you know, yeah, she's running a crime. So many of the characters in Daredevil are criminals, right? At various levels. I, I don't, I like that character because I feel like she is, um, in some ways, right? She's the one who's the, the crime lord who is the furthest ahead of the, the group. She's ahead of, she's the one who says to Fisk, we're disappointed in you. Get your act together, right? I mean, I, I think that's a, although she is a criminal, she is a very, very interesting character. So I like that. I, I have a, I, I always uh, thought Stick was Asian um, as a master of martial arts. I just assumed that as a kid reading the comics. I always did so too. To see, Scott, to see Scott Glenn playing him, I, that one, I was like, really? But, um, you know, but I, uh, Madam Gao, I love her. I hope she's, I really hope given her kind of light touch in Daredevil, I kind of am hoping that she's um, reappearing in some of the, like the Iron Fist I oh, think I really that's something like that. Yeah, we, we, yeah, that seems to be based around what Tony knew. That seems to be, almost be a lock. That- yeah, the the only concern, and something my wife mentioned actually as as we finished episode thirteen, was um, Iron Fist. How Marvel differentiates Iron Fist from Daredevil, since they're both like white guys who learn martial arts from you know from Asian experts. It's like. How do you, you got to make sure that they're different and not, it's like, well, I wear green. I am totally different from that guy who wears red. Right. But the, with a plunging but the, neckline, the, green with a plunging neckline. But the daredevil yeah. learning martial arts from, uh, uh, you know, Asian guys is not, that's not the, at the forefront of his. Right. Whereas Iron Fist like goes to the, the Orient. <laughs> exactly. Is how they right. actually refer to it. And he learns mystical things and whatever. And, and we'll see how they do that with a modern television spin. But um, but yeah, I hope I see, I hope we see her because uh, I thought she was uh, really awesome. Do we, actually, do we know who's playing Iron Fist yet? Have they announced who's playing? Iron I Fist haven't heard a peep. Yeah, I, no, they'll. Yeah, it's surprising. That would be a thing that I would expect them to dribble out at like Comic Con or something. I heard right, maybe it was right. going to be it's Guy unknown. English. And by the way, as we're <laughs> recording this, as we're recording this, uh, Comic Con is going on right now in San Diego. But uh, Kevin, uh, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Feige. Feige? Uh, what? I think it's like Feige. Feige. Believe it or I not, thought it was I think Feige. Pronounce, whatever. I think you pronounce all the words, all the letters in it. Yeah, but yes, yeah. Feige. Uh, Mr. Marvel. He uh, Feige. Yeah, <laughs> not it. That's a good Feige. one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Kevin said uh, Marvel's not making a big uh, appearance at this comic. Yeah, this is true. That's true. We know Mike Coulter is Luke Cage because presumably he'll show up in Jessica Jones, but we don't know a lot about the about the Iron Fist right. show yet. The other thing that's happening, uh, I just realized by uh, reading some other information, is that this month, July 2015th, is when the second season of Daredevil starts filming. Very yeah. nice. I, I wonder about how they've um, scheduled this stuff out. Like the success of Daredevil seems to have made their tv plans kind of go off the rails a little bit like they want to strike while the iron is hot get these actors back there may even be some contractual things where they have to pick it up within a certain time yeah because they never suggested that daredevil was going to lead into a season two of daredevil it was very much like they're going to do these four different shows and they're all going to be interlinked and they're going to lead to this fifth show the defenders and that's all we're going to do that's what it is and then they're like oh no 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 but there's going to be a season two of daredevil and i you know i wonder whether they're going to announce at some point that Daredevil's going to be in 2016 and the, you know, and, and Iron Fist or 
or something is going to push to 2017 or something like well, that. Well, I, I mean, for, as soon as their numbers exceeded that of House of Cards, that you're right, that <laughs> changed everything. Well, I think the Daredevil exceeded uh, not only House of Cards, but also uh, is still exceeding Orange is the New Black uh, when they premiered. Really? Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, it was and, and huge. as much as I like Daredevil, those are very good shows. Yeah, there's uh, like, very good shows. The, the key thing is, uh, I, th- I think what also got them was the uh, sustaining nature of the show. There was a lot of re-watching and uh, continued interest in it over time. Uh, unlike, I think, since 8. <laughs> so, um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that one's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, invited back. So we'll see. You know, Jason, usually we, we don't start the show out with follow-up because frankly, you know, that's just not the way it's done. I usually bring in when, when someone's new to Hell's Kitchen, I, I say, you know, where, where'd you start from? What's, what's your experience with Daredevil? And so I definitely want to get that on record now. So, you know, where, right. where is your experience level with Daredevil prior well, to even seeing this? That's a great question. It's a great question. Yeah. So it's, and it's, I actually can tell you about my experience with the Daredevil Rewind podcast, too, while I'm doing that, okay. because they go together. Okay. So I'm listening to the first episode of Daredevil Rewind, um, which I, want, I just want to say, I also take credit here, I came up with the name, because I like it. <laughs> um, the uh i was listening to it when i was driving to yosemite for this conference that i spoke at and a guy was there yeah and i just listened to guy in the on the podcast and then i saw guy but it it was funny because i'm listening to you all talk about where you discovered daredevil i remember very distinctly that the first time i ever went to yosemite was with my parents and i remember going to the store in yosemite for like i don't know a donut or something i was a little kid and my mom's like trying to get me something to do and and uh and we go to the whatever the little shop is there, and I remember buying an issue of Daredevil, and it was in the uh, Klaus Jansen yes. era, the Frank Miller Ooh. Klaus Jansen era, Good. and that was my first real awareness of Daredevil as a comic. I had read a bunch of different comics, but never Daredevil. I've never been a like huge Daredevil fan, but I appreciated that era and have tried to read stories about Daredevil here and there. I, I know you know I know all the stories and I've read the major storylines it was never like a core part of like he was not not one of my favorite heroes as a kid but i always appreciated him and that first experience i got was very um you know it was interesting and impressive because it was so stylized and uh, unlike other comics i'd seen and i I was definitely impressed with it then and said okay daredevil i don't i think i'd only seen daredevil before that as like a guest star in like amazing spider-man or something like that where he's always sort of just the uh, you know, counterpoint. He's needling Peter Parker is basically his purpose when he appears with Spider-Man. He just gives him a hard time. So, um, and then I actually just recently went on a trip and was reading the Mark Wade Daredevil uh, series on Marvel Unlimited. So before before I even got to this series, I had I had sort of reengaged with uh, Daredevil. And actually, on that same trip, I, I read the the Iron Fist uh, series that I'm hoping that might be mine for. Uh, similarly for uh, content for that series too. So, so so a history with Daredevil but not necessarily like I mean he was never one on my list of favorite characters but always an appreciation from that first uh you know indelible moment where I read that that Klaus Jansen Frank Miller issue of Daredevil. So uh, I assume you watched the Daredevil uh, film from back uh, I guess it was about Unfortunately I did. Right. Unfortunately, why, why are we going to bring up that... bad things? <laughs> <laughs> well no I I want to get context. So uh what was I love it? Jennifer Garner. <laughs> yeah. He's great. 
Well, I'm actually, <clears throat> I'm actually one of those people who actually liked the movie, so we can argue about it later on. The reason why I brought that up was so what when you saw Into the Ring, the first episode, uh, what was your your feel on that? I mean, did did it feel like the Daredevil you remember back from uh, the Frank Miller, uh, Klaus Janssen days? Yeah. I would say yes. I would say I, I also, you know, you as a kid reading Marvel Comics, you get those flashbacks in various comics to what, how was Daredevil, you know, what was his origin? And um, and so to see the way they portrayed it, it wasn't the first scene. It was a flashback. It happened really fast. It's just a kid getting hit in the head in the street trying, you know, I, I really liked that. And it felt like it felt like a good match. And then as we as we go, I had forgotten that his dad was a boxer. Um but as we went along, it was sort of like I was surprised at how much of Daredevil's story I had absorbed, not by having him be one of my favorite characters, but just by reading comics and especially Marvel comics during that during the 80s. I absorbed a lot because that was that was a high point for Daredevil. I mean, when I was oh, when absolutely. I was a huge comic book fan, the the that was the like the artistic peak everybody recognized that that was one of the very special series in the in the you know early 80s was Daredevil there was sort of like that was the rise of Wolverine and the X-Men happened then and and Daredevil as this uh kind of uh other maybe less popular but more acclaimed I think series so so I absorbed a lot of it even though I wasn't well I, you know, well I always described I really Daredevil back in that era as uh that was Marvel's Batman right uh, it was oh, the sure. same type of it was the same type of dark, uh, ugly place that uh, Batman, uh, when he was reimagined in the uh, 70s, went. And so there's a lot of parallels there in, in that. Not the rich guy kind of thing, but the the gritty, dirty uh, city. Uh, you know, you could exchange parts of Gotham City and Hell's Kitchen there and, you know, get the same vibe. Uh so yeah, I had the same uh impression. I loved the intro in the that first episode. Uh it just felt right. And then it kind of shocked me when the pop into the scene with uh in the confession booth. And be- because of the way that scene went and the way the dialogue went, I was like I have to pause here cuz I need to go to the bathroom cuz I'm going to be here in front of <laughs> my computer for a long time and uh you know because i just wanted to sample it at first uh and that was that was a i knew i was in for something good yeah that's that's when you get the milk jug out don and you just say i'm here i'm here for the for the duration (laughs) that's 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 what you do you know it's funny you mentioned the whole batman thing because you know and and i see it as an artist of you know, that was a huge boon for just art and comics because you had Senkovich who was doing uh, these amazing, you know, works of Daredevil. And then you also had like, I think it was Batman 400 or 300, something like that. But he had a big um, spread um, for the, one of the covers of Batman. It was like, wow, they're really, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Like I, I started to go and follow the artists more than the characters themselves. But that was the huge like pivot point for me. I was just like, man, comics don't have to look like crap. You know, they you know they really can um, have some like an artistic kind of license where you like you know the artist that's working on it. Oh yeah, I mean that's one of the uh, that's one of the things I did when I was uh, uh, 
when I started reading comics when I was a kid in the early 60s, um, by the time, I'm sure by the time I was 10, I would I would read mags just because of the particular artist doing the, th- uh, the thing. When I get a little older, uh, uh, you know, uh, 12, 15 uh, in the 70s, uh, then it was, uh, I would also follow writers around because I learned that, you know, a lot more about storytelling and everything else and uh, what made titles really good. And uh, so for me, it was a combination of things. And the odd thing is for me, I really I really got out of comics at about the same time as a lot of this renaissance happened, most of it. And I, I actually had to jump back into them and catch back up on this stuff in the late 80s. So I missed some of this stuff going on uh, right when it was happening uh, in the transition between the 70s and 80s. But I, I know all the storylines and everything else because I've, I've went back and read it. All right, so that's let's what I start, get for being yeah, start so the re- fucking Let's start old. that recap. <laughs> yeah. So, and by the way, guy, you know, let let some other people talk, okay? For real. <laughs> well, here, here, I already know what's going to get. I'm him to listening talk. to the show and I'm loving it. No, so. see, Perfect. all I have to do is mention one person's name, and guy is going to uncork, and that oh. is the funeral of Ben Eric. Oh man. Oh, poor Ben. Great, great I, funeral. Yeah. That was a great I, scene. Nice funeral. It was an it was a great scene. Um, I don't know how you can have this show or Daredevil without Ben Eric, really. Um, I'm glad that they kept the priest around. He's cool. Yeah, uh, he he man, wasn't ben, really ben in ben the mags. Like, he really wasn't in the mags. But I, I gotta agree with you. That was, uh, you know, S- Stephen S. Denight. He he learned at the the foot of uh. Uh, Joss Whedon, and so you you kill your yeah. favorites. That's what you have to do. Yeah, I also I also felt like there was. I wonder if they if they had known that they were going to come back for a second year, if they would have been so quick to kill him. Uh, <laughs> it was a little yeah. bit like it's a one and out, and it's like boy, that was so good. I, I do like that the this the entire series just seems like uh they're. they're Putting all the cards on the table. Yeah, they're shooting it right? all off. Like, yeah, they're, they're just getting it done. Well, I, I, uh, I completely agree because it makes it better. One, I mean, you yeah. know, just go go all in, yeah. right? But yeah, I mean, but I didn't damn, see that ben coming. I mean, even he's... even given the uh, the Whedon uh, family, effectively Whedon editorial family pedigree, uh, I didn't think you could kill Ben Urich. Like yeah. that's bananas. But uh, there you go. Well, there he is. is kingpin, I mean, the kingpin kills him with his bare hands. I mean, oh, oh my oh, god! So, it's so violent. I was yeah. really, I was really touched by the the fact that um, we get that scene uh, between Karen and Ben's wife. Yes. Who you know from the first episode, it is telegraphed so much that she's about to die, and then she survives her husband. Right, and, and that is yeah. so tragic in in so many different ways. But that she has that moment with with Karen where she basically says, "Look, this is what Ben does. Don't blame yourself. He, you know, he was being himself. This is why we loved him. He said great things about you. Go get him." It's it was, a really powerful moment that you've spent whatever twelve hours building up. It was the best eulogy you could have had, right? Yeah. And she had a total mem- moment of clarity, which uh, I don't think it's ever said, but she has suffers from Alzheimer's. It appears. Yeah, well, uh, she's she's got. It's unclear what 
many things are wrong with her, but she definitely has some huge memory problems. I, yes. I kept yes. assuming that there were she had other serious medical problems, too, that, that kept her in the hospital because she, she was hospitalized, right? Yeah. Uh, but whatever it was, yeah, she was also, you know, didn't, she only had moments of clarity. Yeah, yeah. and she was, in, yeah, she so was this, in a wheelchair and, at, the, uh, at the funeral side. Yeah. So yeah. one of the best lines uh, that I thought in the funeral was not only the, that scene, but there's a funny line in the funeral. I, I don't know if anybody else appreciated it. When the, uh, the priest uh, goes up uh, to Matt Murdock, and they're off, like, to the side so they could talk because the priest obviously knows he's Daredevil, uh, uh, and asks him, how are you holding up, Matthew? And, uh, and he says, like a good Catholic boy. And the priest says, that bad, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I just almost, in in the middle of like, you know, you want to cry in the first part of that scene, I just wanted to die laughing. I thought that was so good. He, he, in that speech, well, in that conversation, he also has another line that's, um, I'm going to forget it exactly, but basically, um, I think he says, you've done everything you could and probably a few things you shouldn't have. (laughs) God, I really hope they bring him back for uh, uh, the second season. Yeah, he's he's great. And I like that they're not, like, treading, like, they're not doing a Catholic priest trope of, like... Well, isn't that nice? Yes, yes. He's He's got his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> that he likes and and i like that it's not a secret right i mean it's like it's it's more that uh that priest uh priestly relationship where he's sort of got some sort of confidentiality and and yeah. he is like literally i mean he is matt's moral authority yeah. which is really interesting and i like i love that character yeah but i love that he's not an idiot too oh uh, no like in arrow there's sometimes where you like the the detective there detective lance he's like oh. Really? You should know that this is... Uh, like, how do you not know this? Everybody else does. But I, I like that the priest is just like, well, you've been telling me all of this stuff, and I'm not stupid. So... Well, it's like a... What is it? In the fifth episode, I think, he does the story about when he's in Africa on the mission, and the guy who comes in and kills everybody. Mm-hmm. My yeah. God, that was a just fantastic insight into obviously into wilson fisk as a parallel right and 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 just a great development of that character i i think it's a really good storytelling technique to have uh because the priest was really the first person who knew uh besides night nurse uh claire temple who knew who daredevil was right because the priest figured it out right away and you you need that kind of thing because yeah. you can't just have um uh so in uh, in on arrow all he has that because he's always in video contact with somebody back at the base uh flash does the same thing um uh iron man like tony stark has jarvis chatting at him yeah you can't just be like hero and not hear the thoughts like that there's a reason the comics have the the thinking balloon kind of thing right so like a, it's a good narrative device to have somebody like this and especially he, he's like the outboard conscious of of uh, matt in this case well that's also the uh the good thing about uh 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 with fisk 
having the characters uh, around him like uh, Wesley uh, and his uh, essentially his uh, fiance um, Vanessa. Vanessa. Yeah, um, we'll find out as his Vanessa, uh, fiance in this episode. Having those people to talk about what he thinks and what he wants to do, even Owsley, uh being able to talk about him. Well, okay. And by the now, way, wasn't that you, a you, nice uh, operation on Owsley this episode, huh? Uh, well, the thing is, when <laughs> you decide that the one guy that you're working with and you want to axe off his girlfriend, what exactly then transpires? But they all they also had kind of a built-in uh, play to keep um, Fisk from just running roughshod, which was um, what was his name, uh, Hoffman. Sergeant Hoffman, yeah, Hoffman, Detective Hoffman. So they had right. him on the lam in in hiding to kind of act as a buffer. Not that Fisk cared when when Owsley told him that because he, you know he did the same. You hurt Vanessa and Vincent D'Onofrio. Just you know, if you watch that episode late at night and you're in front of a TV, you try to climb behind your couch because oh, yeah. the man is fucking scary. We we've oh that's the oh shit that's the uh, that's the voice you use before you slam somebody's head in a car door yeah, yeah. exactly if you're the kingpin yeah. although okay so Owsley um he falls he falls a short distance to an elevator to the bot to the top of that elevator in the elevator shaft and they like we see him down there and then we never see him again I don't think he's dead well no no let's uh, go back and watch it again there's a huge pool of non-ray velcro blood pulling around it. nice <laughs> I, I i i i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it i feel like the owl may fly again that's all i'm saying if the owl flies <laughs> all again, i'm saying you know what i think it is it's his son because he Man. mentioned his son at least four times in that series i'm gonna i'm gonna hold out hope that leland owsley lives and that, well, that this was one of one of uh fisk's great mistakes was that he had to move too quickly and didn't couldn't Make sure that Owsley was dead. Well, I, it's a great actor. Absolutely great oh, yeah. actor. So, and yeah, it's not, it's, now did Madame Gal just, she just like dropped out and fled. Yep. Well, she beat the crap out of Matt and then just left. I don't think she fled so much as like. No, they they packed I'm, up. I'm like, out of here. Like, they packed just, up the yeah. they packed up the warehouses and all, and like I I felt like they just like knocked over the 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 card table and went home. Like yeah, we're, we're out of here. Her, this is too weird, yeah. too crazy. But, but her I workers feel were that captured, she left from the position captured of strength, slash right? rescued by the police, and she took off with a couple of her hinge purses. But I don't think yeah. she necessarily uh, beat the crap out of Daredevil. She just surprised. Surprised him by punching him so hard. And well, I mean, well, then, he, then he flew back and he was out. Like she managed to make her get away. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I still don't like yeah. the way that that was cut together, and I really it, wish they'd it's put broken. It didn't make sense. It, it, yeah, something was right. wrong with it. Something was wrong with it, and it's like she gave him the one inch punch, and it just something. It's, it just did not sit well with me. It was like, yeah, what are we doing there? And but. You know, when Fisk is being strung up for all these crimes, everybody, you know, sealed up their kind of ends of the table and bailed out. Now, now we got Fisk on the run. Yep. Um, It's a great wing song, by the way. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Madam Gal sang it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
so it's going to be interesting uh, what they do with some of these characters. Uh, but I, I agree. Uh, uh, Phil, was it you or was it Jason who said, you know, Gao's probably going to be back in Iron Fist. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was the prediction, um, basically by Tony Sindelar, because the the heroine is Tony the same. That, yeah, yeah, he has the heroine had the uh, that dragon on there. Yeah. And it's the same. Yeah. It's the same dragon that's on Iron Fist. Now, um, you know, having Matt and uh, Foggy getting back together brings up one of the. I, I've been saving this like till now to talk about it. I've been alluding to it. But basically, you know, they kind of come to terms with who they are and their relationship with each other, that they're kind of rebuilding a, a, a trust. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting, they're a married couple, right? They're getting back together. Correct. And they're, get, it, they're getting past the infidelity. And, and, and so basically Foggy's okay with that Daredevil now has to go and get Fisk. And... He goes to Melvin's place to get his... I think he's already gotten the box in episode 12, but now he's going to put on the gear. Or he... Wait, wait, I'm trying to remember now. He actually looks at the gear. Melvin shows it to him. That, you know... Well, in this yeah, episode... Yeah, Melvin, Melvin in explains 12, that. In 12, he asked Melvin to make it for him. Right? Okay. Then this, yeah, this then is... This one, he goes and gets the box. Uh, and f- and first, if you look in the background, you're going to see you know Stiltman's rig there propped up against a corner. So. <laughs> Stiltman is awesome. <laughs> She's totally fucking awesome. So hey, well, I and did then you not see, and catch you, that the first time. I know it's great, uh-huh. and that's I think those are the, the those little nuggets that have really been put in that you know make it all the more watchable. You know, the second, third, fourth time. Um, yeah. But here's where my bone of contention is. How do we like the uniform slash costume? I'm not totally against it. I just don't like the headpiece, especially. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I didn't. I for all the buildup of like when when are we going to get him out of his uh his little like thing wrapped around his head and get him into the uh into the real costume? When we got to the real costume, I was I was really disappointed. I thought it looked weird, and I think it's because I looked, I got used to Matt as you know Matt wearing crazy stuff. Um, but I think you're right. I think the headpiece is the biggest problem. Like it is, it is the kind of thing that puts it over the top. The the horns, the you know the cowl with the cutout. Um, you know the rest of it looks like body armor, and it seems perfectly reasonable. But that the the headpiece makes it like oh now we're a comic book superhero and it's just well, it, yeah it's but you see that every the time in the content. in the world on fire intro and it the headpiece actually looks much better in there I don't have a problem with the horns the problem I have is that it it looks piecemeal and ugly when it's not in the world on fire intro when it's in the intro it looks like Daredevil from the comic books right. When he's up battling, uh, uh, well, when he stands on the rooftop for the first time, uh, right before he goes and he gets fixed, uh, Fisk, it just looks clumsy. Yeah, and it's all patched together, and it's got yeah. like stuff on the sides and see- visible seams. And yeah, it, I was looking for yeah. a price tag sticking out from Target. Yeah, I almost want—I almost want it to be like old school Batman, where I'd almost rather it just be like a sheer, you know, thing. It's like a like mm-hmm. a 
like a, a ski mask or something, kind of just like a sheer thing he pulls over his 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 face to cloak his identity rather than providing him with, I guess, anti-stab protection on his scalp. Anti-stab. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, it's for headbutting. Yeah, so that, but I like I like the rest of the outfit because it does just feel like you know it's body armor. It, it, it's adding a level of realism. But I think the 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 helmet uh, horned helmet thing didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, so I agree. My my problem was, and I, I understand it's a superhero show, but uh, when the bad guy is getting away, don't make a quick stop off to pick up a new suit. Like, <laughs> just go yeah. get the bad guy. Like, I what? love the I love the pacing of this episode in the sense that the first half of it is all the run up, and the second half of it. I mean, Fisk basically escapes at the midpoint of the episode. Yes, yeah. and and that's yeah. and then we the last half is he escapes or he talks to Vanessa the 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 cops the cops are coming from him from yeah. the midpoint basically. I like how they, calm he, he he is under extreme pressure by the way like well the good samaritan story in the van is like one of the highlights of the episode oh, oh boy tracking in oh my goodness that i mean cine, like just cinematically it, that was precision well it's you know the blocking on it is like He's in the back of a fucking van, and you got two guards on one side. I, I mean, for me, the visuals disappeared, and all I heard was Vincent D'Onofrio's voice. You know, say, you know, saying like, all this time I thought it was the Good Samaritan. Yeah, and but, and I do get the impression that he is coming to that realization too. Like, it's, yeah, it's not just right. oh, him I'm the saying bad guy. Something. Yeah. I'm He's the like, evil no, I, I'm going to own this. I know yeah. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. I am. I am the ill intent, and I. Right. I going to be a reckoning yeah and so for me uh you know the outside and when things come out and the shooting with the cops that's all like pretty straight standard you know um that could be in any cop show what makes it special is the is the semi monologue uh that fisk has inside the van and that's what makes vincent d'onofrio's portrayal of fisk so damn good uh i mean he just he owned that part i I, when i was when i first saw episode 13 the last episode when i was marathoning it i was actually disappointed in this one i I and that's why i wanted to have you on that's exactly why i wanted to have you on this one but but here's what's funny when i watched it again last night i liked it much better and i was trying to figure out why because the pacing is uneven as hell. I completely agree with Guy. Like, what the fuck are you going to go get your special suit for when Fisk is getting away? That, you know, there are there are logical errors. There's the whole, you know, we're gathering everybody up after the one cop finally confesses, and there's the whole operatic sequence you know, of gathering all the ancillary yeah, the, the Goodfellas. Yeah, sequence the good, Goodfellas. Like, oh, yeah. by the way, uh, does anybody know what that music was from? Because it was perfect. Because I, I don't think it was necessarily um, uh, John Pezzano wrote that. I'm not sure if he did. But whatever it was, it was like, I mean, it's a trope to do that kind of thing. But it was the perfect music for that trope. I wonder right? if Surrey knows. Uh, probably. Maybe. Uh, I should have held my phone out uh, to my machine when I did that the last time. So uh, there are parts of it I like. Uh, you know, there's the whole 
when he goes and gets Hoffman and Hoffman Hoffman scared shitless and that's good. And there's the the coming together of uh Matt and Foggy and Karen. You know, we're we're gonna give it the whole college try. That's all nice parts, but it's just kinda uneven the whole way. And it really bugged me the first time. But last night I just didn't give a shit. I was just enjoying it for other aspects. And I actually liked the fight at the end much better viewing it the second time than I did the first. And for the life of me, I can't figure it out why. And I want you guys to explain that to me because I'm pissed off that I, I, I don't know why I like it better this time. So I don't like that fight. It doesn't make sense. Well, here's what, why you didn't like it and why you, but what you're, what you're, <laughs> what you're, what you're seeing what now versus what you saw then. You saw all these little special little cuts to make sure that I saw that you that everyone can see that Daredevil has his special baton that he can break apart, open up, right. hit people with, and then put it back together again, and then holster it, and then do all kinds of things with it. That's why you didn't like it. But you <laughs> you you didn't see it this time, and instead you saw Daredevil getting the bad guy and literally doing what we saw in so many, you know, confrontations during, you know, the 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 Miller and and Jansen years where you had basically a face full of blood on the kingpin but he was still like fighting and they were both not going to give up. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that the whole Billy Club thing. I actually noticed it more the second time and it didn't bug me because uh I I thought they had misused it, but it it harkened back to the daredevil from the sixties. And it felt more like a daredevil uh, fight from the sixties comics uh, for that reason, picking it up. But I liked the fight and what they said and the flow of it. And now it made sense that it was just two guys in this dingy little alley before it seemed anticlimactic, right? Like this is it, you know, it's not a big, you know, it's not aliens coming down from the sky uh, over New York and Tony Stark going through some parallel universe and almost killing himself and the Hulk catching him, right? You know, that's an ending to a movie, right? This, the first time I saw it, this seemed like, you know, kind of, uh, let's do it in a phone booth, right? But the second time, it made sense and it actually felt like Daredevil. Right, because that's the kind of shit that he would do, and I just appreciated the rage in Wilson Fisk a lot more this time, and he was actually scarier this time than the first. So it was really kind of weird. Uh, I also noticed something this time that I can't believe I didn't notice the first time. You know, when they finally cut back to him at the end. And he's in his prison uniform and he's got, you know, some crap in his face to cover up some of the cuts. And he turns around and he sits down and faces the wall, the blank wall. And then suddenly he sees the painting. Yep. Yeah, it's the same. Oh, and I was like, yes. That's yeah, perfect. He's great. That was his character is amazing. Yeah. yeah. He has a, a true conviction to him that makes the character believable. Yeah, well, those are the best villains. The best villains are more interesting than the heroes. I agree. Uh, 
Jason, how did you like the 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 final fight to me seemed a little bit overdone, like it was overwritten a bit. I, you know, I feel like it had to be what it was. I feel like after 13 episodes, we need, this is what we need. We need to see Daredevil and the Kingpin, Matt and Wilson Fifth up against each other. We just, we have to see it. And it has to be, and it has to be epic. And it, you know, can it ever live up to what, uh, what has come before? I I don't know. And you know, does every comic book plot have to lead to a moment that is they fight? You know, not maybe not. But I felt like that's what this story was leading up to. In the end, it was going to be these two people with iron wills and with with uh, the ab- kind of amazing abilities and their desires, their clash of worldviews for what should be done with Hell's Kitchen and how it you know how you do that. That in the end there would be no solution other than than them taking each other on just because that mm-hmm. li- like literally they are people who can resort to violence and there's no other way to solve this at this point they you know and and for Matt you know he's brought Fisk low so now now Fisk can't play the old game that he played at the beginning which was being high-handed and saying you know oh well I'm a philanthropist and you're just a vigilante now they're both at the ground level in hell's kitchen and this is the last i mean it sort of had to come to this Mm -hmm. as a kid i remember very clearly um there was an issue of um of amazing spider-man when i was like 10 that was entirely a fight between spider-man and the kingpin like literally the last panel of the previous issue was spider-man and the kingpin saying okay we're gonna fight now and the fight was on every page of that issue i remember very so vividly like (laughs) And it, what if an entire comic was just a fight scene? And that was the premise of that issue. And it was amazing. And I flash back to that a little bit here, too, that it's like it had to it had to come to this. And and it, it has some faults. And, you know, you're trying to get the dialogue right while you're also trying to get the punches in and all of that and how this right. is going to go. But, you know, I didn't mind it because it, it really because of the added weight of just the history with these two characters over the previous 12 and a half hours, you it, it of course it had to come to this, and you and really at this point you want Matt to put the put him down. I mean, I, I I thought the show was very effective at making me understand Fisk, and and you know see him as a, a, a as a person and not just a caricature, mm-hmm. and yet also want him put down. <clears throat> like I I really wanted to see him get punished for his bad behavior, and uh, so you know. So I got to and and Matt and Matt probably from the you know the beginning of the season would have would have tried to go ahead and kill him and he didn't and see that's where I I think that you know that's where kind of you know him as Daredevil says okay I am not really just a vigilante I'm not out to to necessarily kill bad people but I'm gonna I'm gonna do the right thing you know I'm gonna give him over to the authorities and he can have justice served. As you know, what kind of Daredevil's about, which is you know justice, not just doing murders. Yep. Um, what's the police officer's name? The good one. Oh, oh. The, the one, the one well, police I mean, officer really in New one. York City. Well, I mean, because every of... every like seriously, at the end of the fight, the one police officer we know drives up to the alley. Yeah, that's a little bit. I know. <laughs> that's a little I stretch. Know. Yeah. He's got the beat. He's got the 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 
all, all the other Hell's Kitchen police officers have been taken off the table mm-hmm. because they were corrupt. He's the only one left. He's, yeah. So he's got to cover a lot of ground. In fairness, a machine gun battle is mm-hmm. kind of crazy and should probably take a lot of your police force to settle. Why he's driving around, I don't Boy, that, What's but his that, name, though? Th- I, he's a cool character. And yeah. I totally figured I, I'd like to see him definitely come back. But, you know, that, that, um, the gun scene where they break Fisk out was very, well, I, I say it's like a, a very small version of, um, Heat in that yes. machine gun battle, which oh, was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Right. Good, good call. Good call. Which, mi- which might be, you know, easily one of the best you know, gun, machine gun scenes out on streets ever filmed. I'll go down and say that right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, oh. so yeah, Heat, definitely. Uh, I, I've got problems with that movie, Heat, but uh, the, so Fisk's mercenaries here, uh, they're like a little bit bold. They're, they're like just walking and shooting and stuff. Well, it reminds like, me. They, uh, you they know have what like I was no concern of is, for their own life. Basically. Well, yeah, I was thinking of uh, yeah, these guys are as badass as Hydra agents, right? Yeah, it's a little over the top, but yeah. I think when you're accustomed to doing those types of things, like cops aren't thinking, "Well, how am I going to?" Like they're not thinking in a war kind of effort. They're thinking, "Okay, if I just say freeze, you're going to freeze." You know, when when it's when it's game on and that at that level. You know, you're just you're just going to get you know dominated. Now, does this mean since he's incarcerated that Vanessa uh, is now going to be kind of in charge? Well, we don't know what he told her. Remember, at the end, they said, "I'm, I'm going to tell you something," and then they cut outside to the cops. Blah blah blah. You know, before he gives her the ring, uh, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to follow this. And they cut outside, blah, blah, things going, cut back. And then uh, D'Onofrio says, and do you understand and remember all of this stuff? And we never heard what the hell he told her, right? So maybe it was, you're in charge of the empire or, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Well, and obviously they got married so that he couldn't or she didn't, wouldn't have to testify against him. Well, Is, I mean, did, did that, they, I mean, was they that didn't right? Get married. They just got engaged because he gave her the ring there and then they hauled his ass off. So I don't think that they got married so that she couldn't testify right. against him. First of all, his plan was, well, I've got a bunch of guys that are going to shoot everybody. And I'm going to get away and get in the helicopter. And I don't know if she actually has a lot on him in terms of being able to testify. Uh, like, all of the really nasty stuff, he kind of kept away from her, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Though it but seems like she's she definitely was, remember in Remember when she stuff. was in the hospital room, and she tells him that the people who did this to her need to be punished. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like she's uh, completely innocent anymore. No, no, and she, again, like, basically all of the characters on the show, she's not, not a dummy. Uh, and I'm sure she knows that he's up to no good a lot of the time. But things like crushing a guy's head in a car door, it's not like he comes home from work and tells her that. I don't... I, I, I just don't know if she could actually have so much on him that he would want to marry her so that... to avoid her testimony. I think he wants to marry her just because he loves her. And I think he really... He's just head over heels for her. 
Well, she's she she knows him and who he is and what he does and doesn't care. But right. I mean, I, th- I think I yeah. think that's an interesting aspect of her character is she's not the you know the girlfriend of the crime boss who who pretends not to know what's going on and and then acts all upset. I mean, we've seen that so many times. And she is this fascinating character where you right. know she kind of doesn't care. Yeah. She kind or, or or maybe she likes it, but she certainly isn't opposed to it, and she really likes him. So. I don't know where she goes from here, if anywhere, other than to, you know, put her off the board. But, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, she seems to be uh, perfectly fine with his role as a, a, as a crime. See, and I would think, so. like, having the kingpin in the can is, like, the worst thing you want. Because that guy, oh. that guy is going to get so many people underneath him. I don't know what D'Onofrio's deal is with Marvel. But I would really love in all of these successive Netflix series to have these occasional moments where the kingpin is doing something from jail, <laughs> like something bad that he's like orchestrating things. Yeah. But I, 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 I suspect that we're not going to see him until Daredevil season two. Well, you know, like living up to the name kingpin. It, like, hmm? I, I don't think you can put that guy in jail and expect hmm. things to get better. <laughs> he's, well, and he he's never calls himself be, kingpin, you know. right? I mean, the the word, no. the name Kingpin never gets uttered. Right. Uh, didn't somebody say it? Somebody might. But he, I mean, he's not the Kingpin. He's just Wilson. Well, Wilson. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's better. Yeah. Well, we know. But I mean, I, I like that too. Like, I, I prefer that kind of approach to things where, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the Kingpin of crime. That That's it. But, you know. Yeah, it's a description, not a name. Yeah, it's not like way. you go around calling yourself. Guy English, and you twirl your mustache. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of on the nose, is it not? Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, nobody the... nobody ever really, and he never called himself a kingpin. So, by the way, we uh, we do know now who's going to be one of the big heavies or bring some of the tension for the second season, and that's the Punisher. Frank Castle is going to be second season. Yeah. That's right. And now, who's playing and John him? Uh, Bernthal? John, you know, from. Uh, from The Walking Dead. Yeah, from The Walking he the, Dead. The, he was the Shane in The Walking Dead. Oh, Shane my the goodness. Mm. Yeah. Yep. But I, wouldn't he I make a never, great Punisher? I've never liked The Punisher, I honestly. I've never, he's prob- he's problematic. Never, but um, I, somebody was saying, it may have been one of you guys, we, we had some give and take about this on Twitter, that, I don't know, I can see the value of like having a parallel storyline where there's sort of like Matt doing things his way and the Punisher exactly. doing things his way and, and how they clash, not because, you know, it's a hero and a villain, but they clash over the approach and the, and like Matt's got his code and how he wants to handle things. And, you know, Fisk is a villain, but really the clash between them is it's a, it's a clash of, of how we want to fix hell's kitchen. And so to replay that a little bit, with, but with a different spin on it by having it be the, the Punisher. And it's like, how do we handle crime? How do we stop bad people and have Matt uh, be very opposed to how, how Frank Castle handles it? That I could see. That I, 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 that I could see. Totally yeah. agree. And well, the Punisher was, he started as a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. And he's yeah. a villain. He's a well, bad guy. He, he really people. is. Like, he's, he's not, he's, he's almost like the, he's, he's, he's the beginning of really the, the hardcore anti-hero. Yeah, and that's the problem yeah. I have with him, yeah. honestly, is that I like the Punisher as a guy who's an, a, a, a warning of like, 
this is what happens when heroes go too far. They become villains. Exactly. I, and once he became kind of like a cool anti-hero, I hated him. I despised too. him at that yeah. point because he's not a hero. He's a bad guy. Yeah. He, he does terrible it things. It misses the point of the says, character. You know? Yeah, just because he's yeah. killing people who are bad does not make him good. Right. There you go. Uh, and that's that's well, really... Like Dexter, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but that that yeah, that that theme right there is straight out of Drance. Like I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> well, I, okay. I, I, I guess we'll find out. Matt's writing the second season, then, huh? So the other the other <laughs> character that I've heard that they're because uh, they announced an uh, an actress for it is the other character that's going to be in second season is Electra. Uh, yes, but yeah, with I've an actress that. I've never heard of, uh, embarrassingly. Uh, and I hope I pronounce this right. Uh, Elodie Young, is that right? Yeah, I don't know. Sure, I'll accept sure. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know her. Well, um, I have a lot of faith in their casting. They've done a tremendous job, so I'm sure she's great. Uh, I really like Charlie Cox, and I mean, having not been on the show before, I just, I just wanted to mention that 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 I I, I rapidly came to like really enjoy him and his take on Matt Murdock and gra- and grounding that character um I think did a that, that was just some great casting and uh and uh, obviously D'Onofrio and Rosario Dawson too just some some great yeah I'd like to see a bit more of her yeah and I, yeah, I what keep, happened I do, with that that's to... that yeah, that was the one thing that really kind of bugged me the most is like you know she kind of fell off the page no 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 the, it was part of the theme it was like uh, I have to be a hero. This is why I can't have nice things, right? It's oh. part of his punishment, right? Gotcha. You know, th- this is the classic storytelling technique, right? You have this really good thing going, and you can't have that. One thing I liked in the treatment of female characters is, you know, um, Karen Page doesn't wind up romantically involved with either Matt or Foggy. She's her own person. With both of them, even though Foggy, you know, takes a pass at her for, uh, at first, he's well, he's crushing on her. But yeah, he's crushing on her. But he's mostly yeah. he's mostly involved with his old ex girlfriend. By the way, yeah. for me, one of the standout surprises because I'd been familiar with Deborah Ann Wall from uh, True Blood. Obviously, my wife had, uh, wife and I had watched that uh, series, but uh, and she was great. But Eldon Henson as Foggy Nelson. Who the fuck know, knew that guy had that kind of depth? <laughs> I fucking bugged me a lot, but on the second watching, I've I've come to like him quite a I, bit. I mean, well, didn't didn't I punk you the last time telling telling you yeah. where he was? Yeah, yeah, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. So. Yeah, that stuck with me. <laughs> um, but you know what? Karen is not unscathed from this. You know that final scene with. You know them oh, in front yeah. of the, in front of their you know you know he he you know I mean it's really kind of you know telling it's it's not hidden you know he's like I can kind of tell something's not quite right and you know she said well it's not but you know we're getting through it but you know I I, I firmly believe that they are probably going to pursue um, a Karen Page downfall in in, in series two maybe you think it's going to be the drugs thing like it was in the comics. <sighs> I don't know. Drug addiction? That would be really cool just because I'd like to see Deborah Ann Wall get twisted in knots, you know, because she's really good at that. So, well, she, I mean, she likes to drink, but uh, uh-huh. so would I if, <laughs> if, if I was in that situation. 
Um, well, who I'm going to miss is I'm going to miss uh, uh, Toby Leonard Moore as as Wesley. So because oh god, Wesley was the best. He was uh, right there I from the first. Watch the show shame with him to see doing stuff. Yeah, shame did. not to see him in the last couple of episodes there, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. He's going to be sorely missed. One of the best parts of the show for sure. Um, so that final scene with Karen and Matt, uh, I didn't read it as romantic. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, we're no, all no. on the same page there. No, no, because I mean he holds her hand and stuff, but it's uh, it no. But he's checking. Romantic. He's checking her pulse. You can see that he's listening <clears throat> in, and they they practically have some of the the heartbeat score. That's uh, you know, that's something that uh, Paisano uh, Paisano did with the score. You know, the yeah. heartbeat thing. He's trying to figure out what's still bugging her. It's he's not hitting on her at all. Okay, yeah, that was my take. Uh, yeah. Maybe Tony thought it was... I don't know. It, it, it seemed that during one of these discussions that it came up that it was like a romantic thing. But well, I, I thought it was romantic. It was certainly a familiar I, thing. But, I think they want to have their cake and eat it too. I, I, yeah. I, I think they wanted to... I felt the whole season that we were tiptoeing toward a connection between um, Matt and Karen, and it made me mad because, first off, not every... It's like, yeah, well, don't she's to. here and he's the lead, so yeah. obviously they've got to get get together. But Foggy's interest in her also, I, I was like, why does it have to be Matt and not Foggy? Or why does it have to be either of them? And then by putting Foggy with his ex-girlfriend, I felt like they're pushing Foggy further away. And I don't know, it, it that, that part I was like, come on, don't do this, don't. And they didn't take it all the way there, but yeah. still it was like, don't do this. You don't have to fall into this trap. It's not necessary. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly as a viewer wasn't thinking... Oh, if only Matt and Karen could get together. I was not thinking that. What? Not necessary. What? You weren't a Matt and Karen shipper? No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> well, neither, neither was not. I. But I, I don't think they went there because, again, you know, it wasn't like Claire where he can't have nice things. It's that at that point where he was at, he was not interested in thinking of Karen that way wasn't thinking of her romantically romantically sexually or anything else he was looking looking out for and that scene in the end was significant to me because he knows something's still wrong with this girl i gotta figure this out you know she's you know she's not telling me the truth here yeah and her explanation is pretty good i mean if you have been through if i'd been through that minus even the the murder which uh, Matt doesn't know about. I would still be shaken up too. Like it's not un, it's not unreasonable her explanation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. One thing that I originally kind of confused me uh, was uh, Foggy and his ex girlfriend. I did not understand that relationship at all until episode twelve or thirteen when it kind of makes sense a bit in the. Uh, She's actually a good person, and he likes that about her and brings it out of her. Right. And that's why she Because otherwise like it makes sticks... no sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Like well, she... I think that's why she, she sticks, uh, sticks with him. The other thing that's yeah. very clear is that she, re... she actually respects his legal mind. Remember when they first meet up in the other building and he just brings down the big legal chops on her? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you see, you see that... Foggy is not just a comedic foil. He actually knows how to do his job. Right? Yeah. He's yeah, not definitely. a stupid person. Yeah. Um, um, if anything, he's a bit of a Matt sycophant, but 
Yeah. You know, who wouldn't be? Because, well, Matt, yeah. Matt's pretty awesome. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't, I really didn't understand that, uh, that the dynamic of that relationship. I mean, she's like a, a bombshell who's kind of really mean to everybody. Um, but there is like a scene at the end where one of the partners from that law firm gets taken down by the FBI, part of that uh, montage. And you just see her kind of have like a little smile on her face. Exactly. Yeah, she's in the exactly. car in the parking garage. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he wonders. like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, it's like, okay, it makes sense. Like, she's kind of putting on this play, but she actually just is just a really good hearted person. So, anyway, she's I, the lawyer I, with a heart of gold. Well, I just thought I, I thought <laughs> that she was originally most of the for most of the series. She's just written as like classic blonde bombshell uh, kind of bitchy woman, right? Uh, well, I but think they, that's, but even then, and they did something a little bit interesting with that. With well, that, dynamic. I think they did something interesting with all the three big female characters with. Uh, with Karen, with Vanessa, and with uh, uh, with her, you know, they they played against expectations in, at times. Who would have expected in the beginning that uh, Karen Page would uh, kill Wesley, right? Yeah, that, that that was taking her to a very different place, wasn't it? Yeah, and so I really liked the, even though there was a lot of femme fatale stuff, about the the women characters, you, you know, like uh, Ben's wife being, you know, hospitalized and weak and he has to look after her, and Karen, you know, really not, you know, Matt having to save her at least twice. Um, th- that bugged me, but then they did really interesting thing with the characters, and then, then they showed these other tremendous strengths where pe- other male characters uh, simply didn't have them. And so, uh, you know, if you're going to redeem yourself, that's pretty good. You know, it's like the whole um, uh, racial and ethnic uh, quandaries that I have with uh, uh, I have with a thing. I'd be curious to know what uh, female viewers thought of this, because you know, as an old wasp, I don't think I have any credibility whatsoever in <laughs> making assessments on this. Well, my wife enjoyed it and uh, did not want the, she was really kind of mad about, I, I was sort of channeling her there. She was really mad about the whole, we're pushing Karen toward Matt and, you know, and Foggy setting him up to be the nerdy friend who gets let down and all of that. And she was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And, you know, the, they don't, they don't like push it over the edge, but I feel like you could see them moving the pieces around to try to do that. And whether they thought better of it or they saved that for for later or what i don't know um and she was uh, also i'll say uh she liked uh she didn't love the some of the kind of extreme violence in a few places but uh in general you know it was a big thumbs up from her and she she enjoyed uh, i think one of the other things she said is that she kept wanting rosario dawson to come back she like really liked that character and it was and it was disappointing i kind of feel like um, that's the sort of thing where you write a character and they, they look pretty good and then you cast the actress and then you shoot it and you put it together and you're watching it back saying, oh boy, we really should have done more with this. Right. Like yeah. it, it, after the fact, I get the sense that, that you could look at that stuff and be like, we should have, have taken greater advantage because they have great chemistry. She is really great in the part 
and yet she just sort of fades away. Be, you know, she's moved away from Matt because of Matt's obsession yeah. with well, this, and well, we don't see her. I, I don't think that's what season two is for, right? Yeah, that's what season, season two is for. But I honestly don't think anybody, any of the actors at cast, did a bad job here. You know, even down to uh, the Russian bad guys who were really only in the first half of the <laughs> thing. I mean, you know, they they pulled that off as well. Uh, even the uh, even the guy who practically had no lines at all playing Nobu. I mean, the man had just, he had a lot of eyebrow action there that was very, very uh, intense. So, I mean, it's not, it's not sloppy work. Is uh, this, is it, you know, Guy had brought this up on episode one. And, you know, is this a, a different definition of what a show can be? You know, it, it's, this isn't network. It's something a little different, and it's like it was almost thought through a little bit more. It's almost something I come to expect from the BBC, where something's thought through from beginning to end and then given to you. Uh, oh, I, I think they had to do that for this. E, But, you know, there's a lot of episodic TV now that's only like 12 or 13 episodes, sometimes at most 16 uh, episodes. Uh, where they do this kind of thing, you know, they're plotting out the whole, uh, the whole thing. Now, I don't know in the case of Daredevil where, whether they actually wrote every episode before they filmed it. I don't know I, if that I, was the I case. Suspect, I suspect that they did, um, but I don't know. I mean, they were it, only going to get one shot at this. The beauty, the beauty of these Netflix series is they, they all have to drop at once, which means they don't need to be, most TV series deliver a rolling, you know, a rolling time scale. They start way ahead, and then as the season goes on, it catches up. But by the time the last episode drops, they finished editing it, right? By maybe a few days, but they finish, they finish it and they push it out. With Netflix, it doesn't have to be that way because they there there is no rolling time scale. They all have to drop on a certain day, which means you could like Sense Eight, which premiered right after Daredevil. Um, you know, it was the next one up. Um, Sense Eight was shot all over the world, and um, so it was completely shot out of sequence. Like it was shot like a big movie and then edited. I have no idea if Daredevil was shot like that or not, um, but it could have been because these Netflix series are like movies. In the end, they have to deliver every episode simultaneously. Yeah, it's done when it's done, not when air date hits necessarily. Right. Well, yeah, because right? you know something yeah. like Flash and Arrow, they are finishing the post production on the last episode. Um, right like six months after they drop their first episode. And the Netflix series can't do that. They, they have to drop everything at once. So it's like much more like a move. We need to get somebody on from uh, ABC Studios to tell us this. I, I would love to talk to somebody who is involved in the production of these shows because I feel like I, I, I don't read very much about it. And it's this weird in-between. They're not, it's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, and it's not the movies. Um, well, it's not it's, even it's, Game of Thrones on HBO, which is yeah. which is done differently as well. Yeah. So, and like I said, I I know about how they made Sense Eight, but a lot of that they talk about because they want to they want to talk about how it's this internationally, uh, you know, it's set in all these different cities and they shot all over the world, and so that's cool. Game of Thrones actually does that too, but and they shuttle the directors in and out, but they they shoot, you know, they they want to shoot all their stuff in Iceland, you know, at the right. same time. Yeah. They don't well, want to keep going I, back Iceland to Iceland or Ireland. 
or Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland or uh, yeah. or when they're in uh, the Mediterranean. Yeah. They've got a bunch. Yeah. And, and this year they were in Spain, too, for Game of Thrones. So it's it's a similar kind of thing. The difference is the Game of Thrones, they do have whatever, you know, 10 weeks uh, between their first deadline and their last deadline. Um, whereas with Netflix, like, you have no time. I, I, I can't even... Can you imagine being the producer of this series? And obviously they are, are working on them and, and finishing them off one by one. But at the end, nobody has seen your show. And you're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, super there, fascinated. There's to know no, that. there's no tuning at that point. And by the way, just to uh, remind everybody with Netflix, uh, Netflix does not own these shows, uh, which is a failure of their business right. model. Uh, yep. they Whoa. Simply... <laughs> That's yeah. fair enough. That's yeah. all right. Well, I was curious. I, I didn't even think, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it, unlike, unlike HBO, I do wonder if they're going to change their tune, but unlike HBO, where HBO owns now almost basically everything it does. Not not in the early days. That's why you won't find Larry Sanders on HBO Go. Yeah. Um, but Man, but I could like, watch like, Larry Sanders all day. Yeah. But, like, yeah. but like the early days of HBO and, and Netflix is like this now, you know, you can buy House of Cards on DVD. Right. Uh, because Netflix can't keep it off of other media and even other uh, channels eventually in fact i think well it went to itunes watch, it, I, I can was... you watch i think i think there's at least one netflix show that you can watch a season of it on amazon now yes, i mean wow. that's correct i think yeah maybe season uh, one of they, house of cards uh i i don't think it's uh house of cards you have to but buy you can it. you can buy it on uh blue uh blu-ray certainly but there's yeah. one of the um it was one of the minor shows i can't remember what the hell it was uh but yeah, yeah but... It, it it's actually available on amazon but I know this certainly for uh, uh, Daredevil. I'll I'll wind up buying it on Blu-ray. That's how good it is. Plus, uh, I want to buy it on Blu-ray just so I can uh, experiment with transcoding it because it's there got some it really is. difficult there things. There it is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. Uh, I, I. That would be nice. It'd be nice be, to be able to watch Daredevil on a on a plane too legally. Yes. yes. <laughs> I do, I do yeah. think that, um, or at least I'm, I'm interested in that these shorter run, these shows with shorter runs in, in terms of episodes tend to be better. Um, they're longer yes. than the movie, mm-hmm. obviously, but they're not, I mean, if you go back and look they're at not like, 26 next generation episodes. Star Trek, it's like yeah. 25 episodes a season or something. Um, 13, 12. What was Game of Thrones, Jason? I know you guys just wrapped it's up. Ten. It was ten. And ten. True Detective is eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Um, Agent Carter, a far superior show to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was what? Eight, maybe? Eight, I think. Yeah. Um, well, that was fighting words, boy, by the way. We'll do it out. Well, it's, okay. So well, far superior is maybe Story for another time. Point, uh, yeah. yeah. But it, it's, and this is interesting too, because the, with the Netflix stuff, it's this intersection. Of, like Marvel has made their movies a little more like TV in the sense that they're interconnected and there are a bunch of them, you know, you get two or three every year. Um, and then now with this Netflix stuff, you've got this this other kind of level of interconnectedness that they can do. It's it, it, These are things that are not, like the Marvel movies look like movies, but they're not quite movies. They're some, something else. And these interconnected Marvel TV shows are are similarly they're not quite tv shows i mean you could argue that daredevil is a 13 hour long movie yes it's broken up into chapters you, and, and then when they release um the aka uh, jessica jones uh series later this year then we're gonna have to ask, ask ourselves another question which is is it uh you know are these interconnected 
novels, basically interconnected long movies. I, that'll be interesting to see too. Well, I think the the uh, make those ties. Uh, the MCU folks are really, really working on tying everything together. Here's something I learned about that uh, about the the MCU tie-in in Daredevil that I totally didn't notice, uh, which is uh, you know the um, what is it? The orphanage that Matt Murdock is raised in that's mentioned in the episode with Stick, the same yes. Agnes or- orphanage. Yeah, that's the same damn orphanage Sky was raised in from Agents of Shield. What? Oh, ah. wow! Holy crap, Don! Look at you! <laughs> <laughs> wow, Don wins. Yeah, Don, that's, I hate that. You just got melted. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, so the definition uh, of a melton is to come just straight over the top rope with an observation with trivia, that no one else got. With knowledge. Yep. Well, I, I, can't, your face. I can't claim to have got that one myself. I mean, I was like diving deep into stuff and like, what the fuck? Well, that name is so daredevil. I mean, it's like Catholic church. Yeah, it's Catholic, style, right? right. That it just, it kind of just washed over me. I didn't even bother thinking of the name. That's, yeah. Wow. But, but your point uh, being is that Marvel is working really hard to tie all these stuff together, and I, I think that, um, yeah, it's a, that's probably the link where I got it from. I'm not sure. I mean, I didn't make this up on myself. I, but I read very deep, boys. I read very deep. <laughs> uh, they're working really hard to tie these things together. I mean, it's very clear that you know, the whole position of Daredevil, it's in the same universe as Agents of Shield, but it's a different locale with different problems. I mean, and they very clearly position it after uh, the Avengers, right? After what happens in uh, New York, right? Yeah. Because Hell's Kitchen yep. right next to there. And, and so, I do like that, that, that Matt is, uh, I mean, he's a badass, but he's not on the same caliber as like Cap. You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. that he's not necessarily going to mix it up in, in the same movies. Okay, now, hold on, guy, let's just be careful, because I don't want to give any ammunition <laughs> to some things that are going on with the incomparable right now that may skew oh, yeah. some judges. <laughs> I heard that so last night, yeah. Yeah, just let's be careful, because then, you know, then I get, like, my blood pressure starts to go way up, and I start yelling in the car, you know, I start yelling at the kids. It, it's just not, it's not something we want to go, you know, we don't want to get on that path. Right. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I mean, it, 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 at least if we look at the movies or, or the, this show and Cap's capabilities in the movies, uh, Cap way outpowers Matt, right? Sure. So anyway, well, I don't know Cap where I'm a, going with this Cap point. Other a, than that, like, it makes sense to segregate Daredevil down to like street level crime as opposed to beating up aliens. Right. Well, it goes back to what I said the last episode. What's Daredevil's superpower? It's not strength. It's not even the super senses thing. Tenacity. Yeah, it's tenacity. He he will always get up. And that's something that he got not from the chemicals that splashed in his eyes. That's not the uh, something he got from Stick. That's something he inherited from his father. Right? And that's what makes this type of medium perfect for daredevil and this type of storytelling because it's really a classic detective cop show format it's very naturalistic 
So a hero like Daredevil is much better in this type of world than in the enhanced super uh, world of the Avengers. And, And that's another thing I like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is you can have these locations, you can have these knobs to turn where you can tell these stories. I mean, Marvel... It's like different altitudes. Yes, exactly. They've they've been really smart about this shit. And they've been picking the characters so far, you know, right on. Right where you want to put them. And, uh, you know, they they don't quite have the uh, track record of Pixar, who's never made a bad movie. Cars 2. But, yeah. I'm sorry, what? Cars 2. I, maybe the, man, maybe we're that's gonna touch unfair. all. We're gonna we keep touching the third rail. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That uh, that uh, uh, that I think they. What makes me sad is not that Marvel is doing this so well. What makes me sad is that DC fucks this up so much. <laughs> when when yeah. they could do yeah. better. Yeah. Well, I said this the last show, right? Well, I, know, know, I, know, just, I know. I know. I know. So, you know, that's what pisses me off about this, is not that they do so well, is that, you know, damn it, DC is is knocking it out of the park on TV right now. They really are. But they, yep. Yeah, but they can't seem to get their pants on when it comes to uh, the movies. Well, I saw Man of Steel again recently. Uh, the first half's pretty good. Yeah, and the last and half then is... Zod shows up and ruins the movie. Like, <laughs> not the actor. The actor is great, but yeah, no, the story I mean, is just, just terrible. Like, it just goes, it just gets stupid. Yeah. yeah, it just gets really stupid. Yeah, there seems to be a big delay on DC movies. It just seems like they just can't can't get them in the pipeline fast enough. Well, they can't get any continuity. Uh, I mean, uh, there was a. Did you see the thing? The uh, well, you guys probably have more sense than to uh, look at Reddit, but. Uh, <laughs> Today's not a good day for Reddit. Yeah, it's well, the last two weeks have not been yeah. uh, good weeks for Reddit. And uh, Grubier's uh, <laughs> slam, uh, is that what? That's how you pronounce it. Jim? Yeah. No, that's what. That's the way Jim in yesterday's podcast pronounced uh, Gruber's name. Uh, Gruber's uh, slams aside at Reddit. Anyway, uh, there was something the other day where somebody did uh, all the actors uh who've ever played Batman, you know, their faces in a co- oh, composite yeah, to make the perfect Bruce yeah. Wayne. And then typical Reddit, some uh some troll then puts up a composite of all the actors who've played Iron Man as a you know a composite. Which is just a picture Why? <laughs> of, of, of Robert Downey Jr. It's just a plain yeah. picture of Robert but no, it goes to the fact that, you know, there's a lot more continuity and everything. With the exception of who's played Bruce Banner, uh, Marvel has been really good about not only tying all the stories together, but getting the casts right and tying them together. Uh, in fact, there's a joke that, uh, what's his name? He's uh, the voice of, uh, well, now he's the Vision, but he was the voice of Jarvis. Jarvis. Uh, shit, what's the actor's name? Really good. Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, who said that, uh, you know, it was explained to him after he got the role of Jarvis in the first film, the the voice role, is that, you know, that's it. That's what you are in the Marvel Universe, right? <laughs> you, you get one shot. You can't be more than one character. 
uh, in you know the new uh, since they've really taken over things, and so he was really delighted when uh, Whedon uh, pulled a fast one and made him the the vision because he figured, well, I'll just go in, record my stuff, take my check, and go home and cry. You know, <laughs> I don't get to be a, a real superhero. Uh, and they Marvel's, you know, they they really try to do the continuity thing in, on all axes. And you got to hand it to them. And like I said, DC, they can't find their pants. It's it's really sad. And those are some great set of characters there. What the well, hell? I mean, the Batman movies have been, I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy, pretty good. Yes. Uh, no, no. The, the Dark Knight itself is probably one of the finest uh, comic films ever done. But, you know, DC is more than Batman. Don't touch the third rail. Don't touch the third rail. Don't touch the third <laughs> can't rail. Do it. Don't touch can't the- do it. Gentlemen, so, if we uh, if we don't start going into a, a wind down mode, we're gonna end up in three hour territory, and yeah, I can't yeah, allow it. Right. Yeah, I can't allow it this right. time. Where, how should we wrap this up, Mo's? How, okay. how should we How should we wrap it up? What do we, what 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 have we learned? What have we learned? What I what I've learned is that it's <laughs> not just it, it's not just Daredevil that that has done this, and like I love the character, and I love the fact that. They had the you know the courage to take this character who had some issues in other in 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 a in a cinematic way, and and do something very interesting and successful, and that it didn't have to be Daredevil, but I'm glad it was, and I'm glad that I have gotten a chance to meet and be you know in a have a conversation about it with you know unique people you know I, I think about Merlin Man I think about um uh chip i think about um that that guy tony sindelar and that guy dan moore and we had a great um ability just to have a great discussion about something that was just really i mean it was nice it it was it was i like daredevil and i like talking about him so it worked I like that you don't include me on that list. <laughs> because, guy, there was a... There's it's a, there's so a, subtle. It's a well, subtle... It would be embarrassing to mention you. people who are here. Well, <laughs> We're here, and, so... See, I'm... Include right. Us. And that's right. And because, <laughs> look, here, here's the, here's the end. At, at the end of the day, yeah, you guys are already no, here, no, no, so you're going to get... No, no, no. I, I don't want to get mad. Yeah. Look, guy, are we going to do this? You're going you're gonna to take away? I'm going to have a you misty moment. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have to do season two, is what we're going to do. I'm ready. There you go. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm ready for that. Um, well, I'm I kind of feel like uh, unless it unless it turns out to be really bad, all of these. Um, I was skeptical of all of these Marvel shows, but yeah. now I'm like I'm re- I'm ready for the next one. I'm ready for the next you know Marvel Netflix show to drop. I'm really excited. Yeah, about it. I was sure that they would be awful. Yeah. And I've said it before: Daredevil has no right to be as good as it is. Like that's it, right. I don't understand why it's just so good. But uh, they did not phone this one in. They did an amazing job. Um, whatever, a couple of quibbles, but by and large, an amazing show. So I'm, I'm just amazed that they managed to pull it off. See, see for me, um, Jason, how, uh, uh, how old are you? You're in your 40, I'm 44. 44, okay. So, uh, kid. Um, <laughs> so... What? So I was gonna I was gonna be the old guy here, and I still can. Then, if that, uh, if you're only 44, for me, seeing something like Daredevil <laughs> like this, and this is like, 
you know, when I was a kid in the sixties and reading some of these comics and there was, there was no one older than my sister who got any of this shit. And she, you know, she was eight and a half years older than me. Um, and being so in love with the comics and the characters and everything, I remember my sister and I, when we were kids, we would think about our favorite uh, comics, usually Marvel comics, and cast, you know, movies and TV shows and other things, you know, with actors that we knew about. And, and yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could do that, you know, and see those things on the screen and not just read them on the page? And, and we had a lot of fun talking about that, but at the end of the day, we knew it was all like horseshit, you know, cause it would never happen. And seeing something after so many years now, uh, now like, uh, 15 or 20 years of this, seeing something of the quality of daredevil, even better than I imagined it when I was a kid, cinematically, I was like, you know, it just doesn't get better than this. I mean, I just feel so fortunate that all these people work so hard to make the dreams of an eight-year-old kid come through. I mean, it's that's what this is for me. That's that's why I marathoned the goddamn thing. <laughs> I mean, it was like uh, that was like Christmas, uh, and. You know, that's why I, I, I you know, I, I keep schlepping myself to the theater for all these, uh, uh, all these movies and it's great. I, I am really looking forward to the second season. I'm even looking forward to, uh, the other, uh, shows, Marvel shows from Netflix for characters. I, I, I didn't even read their mags very much. I mean, so I'll watch them all. Jason, final thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, this, so, so Moe, as you remember, I was told by Tim Goodman that I know this uh, is how this all started. It wasn't that good. And that he, he didn't, uh, believe the, uh, the dodging of, uh, of bullets by this guy, which I have to say, you know, the first episode is, I think, maybe the best example of how are they not shooting this guy in the entire show? But the fact is, I, I, I heard good things about it from other people, and I'm a comic book guy. I, want, I wanted to, to see this, and I was totally impressed. I, I, you know, it rehabs a character that was, uh, that, that was, you know, thought to be kind of a failure because the Daredevil movie didn't do very well. That's the rare example of intellectual property coming back to Marvel because the stu- movie studio, like, literally let it lapse because they just didn't want to bother. It was worthless to them. Um, and then for Marvel to turn around and do this and to j- also show what a, a Netflix series based on Marvel stuff would look like, um, I couldn't be more impressed with it. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was my favorite show of the last year, but it was really good. And my expectations for it were just so low. And uh, now I'm I'm on the train now. I'm like really excited to see what these other shows are going to be. Yeah. And and yeah. how this all fits together. And I hope Marvel is paying attention to this stuff and hasn't just sort of shunted it off to the side. I hope that the same brains that are working on the on the movies are treating this stu- this stuff right, because uh, Daredevil shows that they can do some amazing, uh, you know, amazing work in- with depth that these films can't provide. Um, and, and I, you know, that that's the other thing I would say about it is 
how much more connected are we to Matt Murdock after 13 hours than we have been to any of the superhero comic book characters that are in films? Because we only see them for a couple hours every few years. Even the ones who cross over and are in a Captain America movie and then they're in a Avengers movie and then they're in some other movie. Um, you know, you don't get to spend the time with those characters that you do on TV. And so this seems like a really great um, a way to to do these characters justice. And, and so, yeah, just exceeded all expectations for me. I, th- I think that that sums it up quite well. How to, it'd be really cool to see like a Black Widow video, you know, a series. Anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, you know, just to just to put a, shine a microscope on somebody from the Avengers or somebody that we don't know anything about and and give it to us, gentlemen. It has always been and always will be a pleasure and honor. I swear to you, Don, you almost got me teary eyed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm 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 a be I, I got to be honest if I can be anything. And guy, we are enemies, but we are also legend. <laughs> we we are also legendary friends. I love and you too, I, 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 I so appreciate um, you, you, you going down this, this trek with me. It's been fun. That's right. It's been fun. On to season two. Gentlemen. On to season. Good night. Good night. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, what? Don? Ah. <laughs> no, not on this. No, stop. No, I was okay. Say, uh,